Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, one more time, we're really grateful that you're here. I'm outside on this beautiful path because today we're kicking off a series called Our Path to Peace. Now, uh, this is just a city path. So if people come by and wave or whatever, you'll just know that that's the thing. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And so I want to invite you to open your Bibles or open your apps and follow along there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And here is Justin Hart to read it for us. Good morning, Heritage Park. I have missed seeing your face. Uh, I cannot wait until we are back together again. This morning, I'm going to read some scripture for us. And the cool thing about the scripture is that it's kind of been a life passage of mine, uh, whether through brain surgery or cancer um, or COVID-19, uh, right? The, the promises of the scripture ring true. Um, and so today we're going to read Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And it says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I love you, and I can't wait to see you again. So as we get going here, I just want to have a moment to pray and ask for God's help in opening our eyes to the Scriptures. Uh, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would help us to see not only the words on the page and whatever may appear on the screen, but God, we would see you and help us to hear from you and to know you, especially during these days as we think about this idea of a path to peace. We ask this now in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Well, um, as I said, we're going to kick off this series called Our Path to Peace. And the truth is, is that um, our path to peace is is marked by our faith over fear. I think in these days, pastorally, I think it's true for me personally, but also pastorally, I think it's really um, easy uh, to uh, relate to God on the basis of fear. God, would you fix this? God, would you change this? God, would you? Instead, we want to relate to God on the basis of faith. Why? Because it is faith that pleases God. It is how we enter into relationship with God. It's how we live in relationship with God. And it's how we please him in our relationship. He, Hebrews eleven six simply says uh, that without faith, not fear, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so I want to encourage us along uh, that, that line of thinking. Here, uh, pick up that little um, uh, phrase in verse 30 down that Justin read a while ago, where Jesus uh, simply says, uh, won't he clothe you, O you of little faith? And so I just want to say to you, if you're here and you're struggling um, with your faith, this is what this series is for. We are here uh, to struggle as we live out our faith. And I want to encourage you in that. Um, uh, he didn't say uh, you of no faith. 
Uh, he didn't say, uh, I can't believe you guys don't have faith or, or the bad kind of faith, the wrong kind of faith. He says, oh, you of little faith. Some of us are at the point where beaten down by circumstances and any number of other things. Um, we have very little faith. And Jesus wants to, us to live differently, to live in our faith, however much we have instead of in our fear. So um, uh, in, in this particular passage, uh, he uses the phrase, be anxious or worry. Uh, the word that Jesus uses there is, uh, is somewhat north of how we talk about worry, somewhat stronger than that, but it's somewhat less than anxious or anxiety because that carries with it a certain medical connotation. And so uh, just know that when it says don't be anxious or don't worry, it's right, kind of right in the middle of how we would use those two words normally in our everyday. So um, if we're going to walk this path of peace, it begins in our hearts, which is where Jesus starts. And for us, um, we need to take kind of these two steps. As we walk this path of peace, what are the two steps? Step number one, we need to embrace the uh, we need to embrace God and be embraced by God as a good, good father. Now, we love that song. It's a great song to sing, especially in days like this. Why? Because it's important for us to remember that he's perfect in all of his ways. And I just want to highlight a couple of ways in which he's perfect. Look down, if you will. Uh, at verse 28. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, he says. How they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory wasn't arrayed like one of these. Why did he bring Solomon up? Solomon was the richest guy who ever lived um, uh, during that kind of season, during that time right there. Potentially the richest guy who's ever lived, period. And he had a whole closet full of fancy clothes. Everybody else was plain clothes, but man, his clothes were fancy. His clothes were intricately woven and they were full of bright colors. And Jesus comes along to those of us from Texas and he says, hey, look at the blue bonnets. Look at the Indian paintbrushes. Look how beautifully arrayed they are. Look how intricately put together they are. And yet Solomon, the most incredible guy that you could ever think of, he's not, he's not clothed like them. To embrace God as a good, good father is simply to say this, that we embrace that God is generous toward you and me. He is a generous God. And so I want to, I just want to encourage you with that. He is a good, good father and he is generous. Therefore, we don't have to fear. Why? Because God provides. We don't have to fear. Because God provides. But here's the thing. Sometimes we do fear. And when we do fear, guess what? We can take that fear to God. That's how good and how generous he is. Um, we can take that fear to God because he does provide. So we don't have to fear, but if we do, we can take that to him. And that's one way that we embrace God as our good, good father. Secondly, look down in verse 30. Um, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, uh, which is here today, uh, today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore it says, don't be anxious. Therefore he says, don't be anxious, uh, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, those who don't know God, seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So as we embrace God as a good, good Father, um, it's important for us to remind ourselves that God is generous, but also, secondly, that he is involved. Now, some of us did not have a dad who was involved in our lives growing up, and so it's hard for us to imagine a father who is. But listen, <laughs> I want to tell you, God is involved. Um, and it says specifically right here, uh, you don't have to live like those who don't know God, who seek after these things. He knows um, it, that you need them all. He says he knows that you need them all. Please don't miss that. 
He is involved in your life. He knows what is going on. And because he knows what is going on, you and I can say that God is good in every situation, even our current situation. Some of you have struggled um, in this um, lockdown time uh, that we're in. Some of you have experienced things. Some of you um, have uh, uh, had stressors um, introduced into your life because of a job change or a relationship struggle or stress that is there, a fracture that's there that you didn't know because you were so busy, you just didn't realize it was there. And so I just want to encourage you. God knows about what's going on and he is involved in your life. Right now, I'm personally reading in the book of Exodus. uh, And I I thought about this, uh, uh, the passage in Exodus chapter three, as as I was studying this week for this. In Exodus chapter three, Moses is at the burning bush and God says this to him. I have seen my people in the struggle that they're in. And I have heard their cries. And I, listen, he says this, and I am aware of their suffering. He has seen, he has heard, and he's aware. And what God said to Moses, I want to say to you, God sees you, and he has heard you, and he is aware of what's going on in your life. Why? Because he is involved. He is involved. He is generous toward you and toward me, and he is involved in our lives. And so I I just want to encourage you with that. That's how we... uh, kind of two things that are in us that we can embrace um, towards God being a good, good father. As we take this step of faith, um, I want to um, encourage you as we walk this path of peace and we live in faith and not fear, our faith overcomes our fear, we would embrace God as a good, good father. Secondly, uh, back to verse um, 26 here. He says, look at the birds uh, of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So if the first step is we embrace this idea that God is a good, good Father, the second step as we walk this path is um, we embrace that God values us. You and I are valuable to God. Don't miss that. You and I are valuable to God. Um, there, there's a principle, I think, that's that's important to say here, that um, you and I are the kinds of uh, uh, people who, who have value in our lives. And, and we live by this, this principle all the time, um, that the value of something is measured by what we're willing to pay for it. My um, second born and I were watching a, a show called Brain Games. It comes on the National Geographic channel. And they did a little experiment. It actually started in the 1970s. But they did a little experiment where they were going to auction off a $20 bill. And so the guy holds up a $20 bill at a bar and these guys start bidding. And at some point it comes down to two guys who are um, bidding and the, the winner ends up paying $41 for the $20 bill. It's just unbelievable. And so you may come to me and say, hey, listen, uh, that bill's not really worth uh, $41. Uh, you, your theory is proven wrong here. Uh, the, you know, that um, the, something is as is, is valuable as, as what somebody's willing to pay for it. Uh, but the truth is he wasn't paying $41 for that, for that $20 bill. He was paying $41 for his pride. So the principle uh, still holds. Um, I, I think in, most of us don't struggle with having overinflated kind of thing. Because the second thing people would say like, hey, well, guess what? Um, you know, uh, there's a higher authority who simply says that's you know that that's a twenty dollar bill. It's worth twenty dollars. In fact, it's the U.S. government that says that's worth twenty dollars. Most of us don't struggle with an overinflated thing. I guess there are some who have grown up uh, who uh, were 
just experienced life uh, where everything was always golden, rainbows, unicorns, the whole thing. Um, and my, my guess is if you live very long, certainly it will knock some of that off of you. It doesn't take very long to figure out that not everybody gets a medal at the end of the day. Not everybody gets a trophy when it's all said and done. That's just not how real life works. I think most of us struggle instead with an undervaluing of our lives before God. You and I are valuable to God. He says these birds, the birds that are flying around right now, that are singing up above me. Listen, they have value to God and you and I have even more value than that. And I think the biggest struggle that some of us have, most of us have, is that we would make space in our souls to hear that today. We're more valuable than this little bird that's chirping up above me. You, you and I are more valuable than that. How do you know? Because you and I were paid something. Uh, excuse me, God paid something for you and for me. And what did he pay? He paid Jesus. I couldn't get over this this week. I was walking in our neighborhood, praying, praying for this and praying for my own life. And this, this verse came to mind, Galatians chapter two, verse 20. And it says this, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And this life that I live by faith, not by fear, but by faith in the son of God. Um, uh, this life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God. Listen, who loved me and who gave himself for me. Don't miss that. He gave himself for me. He paid himself for me. So you and I are that kind of valuable to God. We have that kind of worth in God's eyes. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 15. He said, as the father has loved me, so I also have loved you. And now you need to abide in that love. Think about that. You and I have that kind of value to God as the father loved Jesus. That's exactly how Jesus has loved us. Now, the there's some theologians who push back at that moment and say, yeah, but the cross says way more than that. And I'm saying, absolutely, I agree. The cross speaks of God's holiness. It speaks of his righteousness. It speaks of his faithfulness. It speaks of his judgment against sin. It speaks, for, it speaks of his wrath. It speaks of uh, the atonement that we needed and the reconciliation that we needed. It is a beautiful demonstration of his love, but it also speaks to our value. So it speaks to way more than that. But listen, it does not speak to less. And some of us just need to make space in our lives for that. This expresses itself differently. I think uh, some people lean toward the relational side. Uh, I, this is very broad brush here. Uh, but ladies, you tend to, uh, to, to get your value, draw your value from what other people say and who you know in that. Uh, men, we tend to uh, get our value at, at least at you know, some sliding scale about what we can achieve. Not always the case for, again, broad breast, but what we can achieve. Uh, and you and I just need to make some space that you and I are, we're valuable to God. What kind of value does God have over uh, in our lives for us? He has the Jesus kind of value. And some people come along and say simply, hey, that's not me. Uh, I, I long ago lost value. I'm not worth even $1. I'm not worth 10. I'm not worth one. I'm worth a penny, maybe half a penny. I'm not sure. And I just point you backward to Matthew, the end of Matthew chapter 4, um, uh, in verse uh, 24, Jesus said his fame spread. Uh, the text says about Jesus, Jesus' fame spread throughout all Syria. They brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases uh, and various pains. Hey, how are you? Good. Uh, those who were oppressed uh, by demons, epileptics, paralytics, um, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And then uh, Matthew chapter 5, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount says, that crowd came up to him and Jesus sat down to teach them. So who, who's he saying this to? Who is he talking about birds and flowers? 
He's talking to this group right here who 10 minutes ago were um, epileptics and paralytics who couldn't offer him anything, who were possessed by demons, who were uh, just tied up, chained up in all sorts of addictions. This is who he's speaking to. So I, I say that on behalf of God uh, and on the authority of his word, um, you have value. You, you may have been messed up just like these folks, relationally dysfunctional and, and uh, spiritually in bad shape and physically kind of over the edge, just making a hash out of your life, the choices that you've made. But you have value to God. It doesn't matter what your history is. You and I have value to God. And as we, if we are going to live on this path of peace and our faith is going to overcome this fear that is just in the air that we're breathing right now, you and I need to take the step to embrace God as a good, good father. And we need to take the step that that good, good father has said over our lives, you are valuable to me. You are Jesus kind of valuable to me. How then do we go about living this out? What does that look like? I just want to point to verse um, 33 in Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else. All of this will be added to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's certainly true these days. How do we go about there, There's. I just want to point this out. There's an activity and that activity is seeking the kingdom of God. We would live so that our lives reflect um, uh, this sense that Jesus is in charge of the world. COVID-19 is not in charge of the world. U.S. government is not in charge of the world. Um, there, there's nothing that's in charge of the world that, um, that is of this earth. You and I know that Jesus is in charge of the world, and our lives can reflect that. We would seek the kingdom of God, as we relate to our families, as we relate to ourselves, as we do ministry to our neighbors as best we can in these challenging days, as we work, all of those things, we would do it to the glory of God. And we would do it in a way that reflects that Jesus is in charge of the world. So that's our activity. The second word I want you to associate with what we're supposed to do is simply priority. We would prioritize this. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. It would be, if you will, the gravitational center, the big thing in the middle of our galaxy that just keeps us in orbit around it. Our lives would, would be in orbit around this idea that we seek first the kingdom of God. Have a good day, man. We would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so the transformation that comes um, with living life with him, man, it would be the center, the center of our lives. It would be the thing around which we orbit. It, we would say, man, it is worth every sacrifice. It is worth um, every moment that we are uh, orienting, orienting our lives around this. It is the center. When I was a college student, I'll close with this story. When I was a college student, I used to drive up um, every Thursday to Louisville from Waco. And I would spend um, the evening with a guy named Dave Dawson. And we came at some point, he would just pour his life and his wisdom uh, into my life. An older man in ministry, he would pour his life into my life. And it, at some point we came across this and I was 21 years old. I just, I didn't have a ton of experience with life or with certainly understanding God's faithfulness. And uh, Dave Dawson, when he came across this, he said this, I'll just, I'll never forget it. He said, well, Trent, either Jesus is telling the truth or he's not. Either I need to worry about tomorrow or I don't. Either I can trust him or I can't. But the one thing I can't do is seek the kingdom second. That's, that's just, I can't do that. Whenever I left his house, he would always give me the same thing. He would say, give them both barrels. <laughs> In some sense, I think that's right. Give them both barrels, the activity of seeking the kingdom. 
in the priority of seeking the kingdom first. As we walk this walk on the path, our path toward peace, to peace. And as we, we exercise our faith over fear, we would seek the kingdom and we would seek it first. And I just want you to know that if, if you're hearing this today and you've never given your life to Christ, today can be the day that you come into his orbit, so to speak. You can surrender your life to Christ and your sins will be forgiven and he will give you a whole new kind of life and a new priority in life. And you can experience the kind of peace that we um, will be talking about over these weeks. You can experience the kind of faith and live in the kind of faith that we've been talking about. If you need that kind of conversation to happen, if you'll just, there's a number that's going to pop up at the bottom of the screen. If you'll just text um, that to uh, text just something to that number right there. Just say, hey, I need to know what it means to follow Jesus. You can text that to that number and we will get back to you. Some of you are here and you're like, man, my fear is overcoming my faith. It's not, it's not true for me that my faith is overcoming my fear. I'm just living. I, I am the one of little faith and I need somebody to pray with me. If you'll text anything that you want to tell us there to that number, we would be so happy to respond to you, connect with you and pray for you. So happy to do that. Let me pray for us right now and we'll take a minute.